It is the week 12 edition. College Gridiron coming at you on a cold week from the Bronx alongside my partner Nick DeLuca. I'm Jimmy Sullivan and Nick, season coming down the stretch. It's go time in college football. The games get bigger, the days get colder, and I don't know about you, but it's approaching that time of the season. We're coming. Coach. We're coming. This won't be the last time. We It won't be the last time for us either. We got a few more left, and we're coming, and we ain't backing down. Uh, they, I, I don't know if it's about coming. I think LSU already arrived. <laughs> I, I think that's the, the biggest thing. Uh, I just want to point out that I was right. Yeah, you are. I don't want to. I don't want to go too much farther into the show than than before acknowledging that. So that's point number one. Also, like to shout out the Dartmouth Big Green big win mm. at Yankee Stadium this past weekend, twenty-seven ten over Princeton. Hold that grass. Taking like. <laughs> taking control of the Ivy League. So that's that's my piece. That's my FaceTime for today. But big win for LSU, big win for Minnesota. I'm really rowing that boat, P.J. Flex crowd surfing. So we've got a really interesting playoff picture, and it was really a fascinating weekend of college football, and I think it was really made by Minnesota because we knew that Alabama-LSU was going to be as advertised, live up to the billing, and be a really good game. But Minnesota-Penn State was fantastic, and it was really cool to see Minnesota compete the way they did and eventually win against a, a team that's been a traditional power and, and just to sort of marvel at the job that P.J. Fleck has done. I was really impressed by that over the weekend as well. So we will be rowing the boat over the next half hour or so. Big wins from Minnesota and LSU, and we will start with LSU Alabama. First of all, before we go into the discussion of this, I would highly recommend all of you go on Twitter, watch the Ed Orgeron postgame locker room speech, I couldn't play it here for obvious reasons. If you watch it, you will know why. It is tremendous. Just watch it. It's like 15 seconds. It is absolutely worth your time. One of his idiot players recorded it in the locker room. He should not have, but I'm happy he did because the world was meant to hear that and the eloquence of Ed Orgeron in that locker room. Um, my generation's Gettysburg address, if you ask me. <laughs> but anyway, um, big win for LSU. They remain undefeated, and they are now the number one team in the land after a 46-41 victory over the Alabama Crimson Tide. They did so at Bryant-Denny Stadium, getting a big win on the road. First time LSU went in there and won since 2011. Joe Burrow, again, was superb. 31 of 39 for nearly 400 yards, three scores. To Otago Vailoa, uh, valiant performance, excuse me. He was hurt, threw for over 400 yards, had accuracy issues all day, just over 50% through the air. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire over 100 yards rushing for LSU. Jamar Chase over 100 yards receiving. LSU wins at 46-41. We have come a long way from 9-6. Both teams were over 500 total yards, but it was LSU who was ahead virtually the entire game. They were able to get the victory, and they proved, I think, the point that, that we have been making the last couple of weeks, that right now they are the best team in the country. And they went to Alabama, they showed that, and they were able to get the biggest win of their season. Yeah, and you kind of stole my line because I was going to say this wasn't exactly 9-6 to six <laughs> on Saturday, but my biggest takeaway is Joe Burrow. Mm. And we've been saying it all year, and I think that Joe Burrow just won the Heisman this past weekend. But, man, oh, man. 
he's just he was just unstoppable and I think that they didn't put up as many points in the second half because things got a little bit conservative because you had a 20 point lead heading into halftime but whenever he wanted to whenever LSU wanted to force the issue and move the ball they were able to do so Alabama Nick Saban had absolutely no answer and it was really impressive because it's certainly not something that you're used to seeing we haven't seen it since Alabama played Clemson in the national championship game but it was just really something to behold the way that Joe Burrow played. And you hate to keep harping harping on it in some cases, but it's just amazing how far LSU has come in a year with the way that Joe Burrow played last year against this team to this year. It's just night and day. And Joe Brady, probably the top assistant in college football, it's just it was really, really impressive with the way that LSU came in there. They weren't scared on the road. And – this team is the embodiment of their head coach and hats off to Ed Orgeron because this is a guy who years ago was dead in the water, failed at Ole Miss, didn't get an opportunity at USC. And now for, if it weren't for Tom Herman turning down LSU's job a couple years ago, he wouldn't have gotten this one. He gets elevated to interim head coach, pushes all the right buttons, recruits the right way and gets himself the quarterback to take down the behemoth that is Alabama. Really impressive win, statement win for LSU. And I don't know that I love Ohio State getting replaced after a win, but I think LSU probably should have been there to begin with and deserves to be the number one team in the country as we sit here today. Yeah, this is a program-defining win for LSU. They haven't had a win this big since that 2011 game against Alabama. Uh, and that was kind of the apex of that program after they won the national title in 20, uh, 2007. rather. And since then, they've kind of been going downhill. And now they're back on the upswing, obviously, and Edward Orgeron deserves a ton of credit. By the way, wild to think that Tom Herman chose Texas over LSU. Yeah. Um, not just in hindsight, but also in the moment. That I don't, I don't know why that makes any sense. But LSU with a big victory back to the matter at hand. And you focused on the positive for LSU, so... I will be that guy, if you will. Alabama's defense got carved. Um, they were knifed apart. LSU, like you said, was able to do whatever on earth it wanted. And Alabama's offense, we know about their talent, right? Tua, Najee Harris, Jerry Judy, uh, you know, Devontae Smith. I mean, great players after great players on that offense. And we all know that. On the defensive side of the ball, and this was a the theme last year, too, this team, the way it is it's playing right now, especially the way it's playing right now, not good enough to win a national title. Um, even if they do get into the playoff, you know, do you see this Alabama defense stopping a Clemson offense led by Trevor Lawrence, an Ohio State offense led by J.K. Dobbins and Justin Fields? I don't, because they can put up enough points to play with anybody, and we saw that this weekend. I mean, they were not the better team, but they were able to put up enough points to give LSU a game in that fourth quarter, but defensively, they, they really couldn't stop a nosebleed against LSU on Saturday. And, and I think as much credit as you want to give to LSU, and obviously they deserve it, part of the takeaway also has to be, man, Alabama's defense is not where it's been over the past few years, and it might ultimately be their undoing in them trying to go out and win a national title this year, even if they do make the playoff, get to the semifinals. Maybe even if they get to the finals, their defense might just undo them and cost them a national championship because we know their offense is good enough. Two is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. They have uh, skill position players that are worth dying for. But this Alabama defense, 
on a day on Saturday where they were playing a playoff caliber offense in LSU and a team they might see in the playoff, honestly, if we're being realistic, struggled mightily. And that's kind of what we've seen the last couple of times they played good teams, right? Oklahoma kind of ripped them up in the second half of the semifinal last year. Clemson ripped them up over a whole game in the national title game. And now we saw LSU this week, the first really, really great offense they played this year, absolutely ripped them to shreds. And that has to be such a major concern for Nick Saban that if his team is going to get where it wants to go, they got to clean a lot of stuff up on the defensive side. I think it's really difficult for... Alabama when the staff turnover is at the rate that it's at and it's something that Clemson I think in particular has done a really good job of of steering away from they've kept the continuity they've said we're going to pay Brent Venables and look there's no fault involved in an assistant coach turning down a a significant pay raise as a coordinator to go want to lead his own program uh, somewhere else in the country so that's part of it but I don't know that the Alabama defense has really been the same since Kirby Smart left for Georgia. Good point. And, yes, it's it's sort of the paradigm shift that we've seen in college football where teams are just moving away from defense in general, right, the Wisconsin's, the Iowa's of the world, as good as their defenses may be, right, they're just not able to compete at the highest level because they can't score when you're so defensive-oriented. But – Right now, their their defensive coordinator, inside linebackers coach Pete Golding, he's the guy who's in charge, and this is his second year. It's just it's it's been a huge struggle for Alabama defensively, and I think that that's really where where they're at. There's some talk about hey, maybe is that the the paradigm shifting moment in college football in terms of is Alabama done? Because uh, Nick Saban's getting up there. He's 68 years old. How much longer is he going to want to keep coaching with all the turnover that his staff goes under all the time? And it, it's it's a pretty interesting conversation. I'll say it this way. I don't think it is because I don't think you can count out Alabama ever with Nick Saban and likely with a chance that they might get into the playoff with the Penn State loss. But if you look back on it and Alabama were to really take a step back as a program and not necessarily be the same in the next few years. I don't think you'd sit there today and or point to today and be shocked. Like, oh, how how did this happen when they were here today? Um, I don't know that they're done. I don't, I'm not here to say that necessarily. But this was a big loss because Nick Saban and his coaching staffs in the last couple of big games that they've played. Let's let's talk about this game. Let's talk about the national championship last year. They've been severely outcoached, and and that's that was the case again on Saturday against LSU. Yeah, and like you said, again has to go back to the turnover. And by the way, let's just run through some of the assistants. Offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. Um, my favorite greatest hit offensive line coach Kyle Flood from Rutgers. Um, there's some. There's some other interesting ones in here. Charles Kelly, uh, Ellis Ponders in here. He's he's a quality control guy, though. Um, so, look, yeah, it, it's a tough loss for Alabama. Um, you will never, ever catch me saying that Alabama is done because of Nick Saban. Um, and, and I think they still have a path to the playoff this year. Um, I, I think the big thing that happened for them on Saturday was, and we were talking about this before the show, was Minnesota beating Penn State because Penn State now falls behind Alabama They've got to win out, win the Big Ten, go 11-1 and one to have a chance at the playoff, and that doesn't guarantee them a playoff berth. Um, so Alabama still needs, I think, a little help, but they need a lot less help than they would have needed before Saturday if they would have lost that LSU game. So Alabama, in the latest rankings, they fall to five. And let's talk about a team that rose in the rankings, Minnesota. 
9-0 and are P.J. Flex Golden Gophers. We're going to row the boat here, talk about their victory over Penn State. It was an impressive one. They were at home. They got a 31-26 victory. One of the biggest games in the history of Minnesota football, by the way, um, which might say more about Minnesota football than it does about anything else. But Minnesota able to get the victory. 31-26 was the final. Minnesota with the biggest jump of a team in the college football playoff, playoff era that got to the top 10. They went from 17-8. to eight. Tanner Morgan was terrific for Minnesota. He had a QBR almost 100, 18 of 20, 339 yards, three TDs, no picks. And Minnesota had two wide receivers over 100 yards. Rashad Bateman had 200 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Johnson, 100 yards and a touchdown. Penn State has Ohio State a week from now, not this Saturday, but next Saturday. And their playoff hopes maybe just went out the window. Minnesota, on the other hand, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, if they went out, they're probably in. And Minnesota with a chance to be this year's 2015 Iowa, but actually finish the job, and they got the biggest win of their season. And now, very easy to see them winning out the rest of the way, going into a Big 12 title game, excuse me, Big 10 title game, 12-0. and And if they do, and they beat Ohio State, we're going to be talking about Minnesota in that top four, which I'm sure you and I both predicted at the beginning of this season. Yeah, we definitely did, right? <laughs> but if they went out, they're in. Absolutely. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's a maybe. I think they're absolutely in because you would have wins over then Iowa, then Wisconsin, and then Ohio State in conjunction with this, in addition to uh, a win over Penn State this past Saturday. So I think they'd definitely be in. They're at nine right now. So I'm, I'm just really impressed with the way that Minnesota played because th- this is not a, a traditional power by any stretch of the imagination, yeah, they were good in the 40s. That's a, that's a long, long time ago. And this is not a program that is in necessarily a desirable location, although the, the fan and the, the support over there, you can get it done. But I don't think it's in a desirable location. I think it's a really difficult program to build up. It's something that, that tons and tons of, of Big Ten coaches and Big Ten programs have tried to do and not been able to do. So I just want to sit back here and give some credit to P.J. Fleck because they're competing for Big Ten championships. And, and this is in short order, too. One year. S- one year. And it's just really impressive to me because we talk about it all the time, how difficult it is. How difficult it is with Jim Harbaugh. It's taken him how many years, and he hasn't gotten to where they want to go. And he may never get there. And he may not get there. So it's just you you sit here and you say, you you look at the progress that P.J. Fleck has made, and he's doing it again. He did it at Western Michigan. He's doing it again here. And Minnesota's a force to be reckoned with. Tanner Morgan was outstanding in that game. And what was it, 18-20, 339, and three touchdowns? He was outstanding, and that defense showed up when it mattered. Really impressed with Antoine Winfield Jr. You may yeah, recognize the name. <laughs> uh, his father was longtime Minnesota Viking, right? But they, they were just really impressive. They made the plays on defense. And, and look, I'm not saying you, you certainly would not pick them to beat Ohio State, but I, I would be surprised if they almost don't get to that Big Ten title game undefeated because they have an offense. And I don't think that Iowa, as good as their defense is, is going to put up the points to score with Minnesota. And I don't know that Wisconsin does either. Uh, So I would be surprised, especially with that game for Minnesota at home, right? So, and and you're not picking them to to lose to Northwestern. That's the remaining schedule, right? Iowa, Northwestern, and Wisconsin to round out the season. So 
I don't know. You're certainly not going to pick them to beat Ohio State, and and that would be a major upset. But for for a moment before we get there, I just want to give major props to Minnesota because P.J. Fleck has done an outstanding job. They looked great. Tanner Morgan, this program, headed absolutely 100% in the right direction. And uh, we'll see where it takes them because they're, they're in the conversation. I certainly think the toughest game for Minnesota is going to be this week. At Iowa, it's not easy to go and play Iowa. They always give you a game. I think at home against Wisconsin, I mean, Minnesota beat Wisconsin last year. And Minnesota, on paper, didn't have as good a roster. Now they do. Um, So I I would go with Minnesota. I would say probably Minnesota in all those games. Uh, Northwestern's always a trap game, but Northwestern's so bad that it's not going to matter. The the fun part now is to imagine Ohio State and Minnesota in that game with them both undefeated. That, That game becomes a quarterfinal. Basically, I mean, everybody's talking about expanding the college football playoff to eight. Well, that game's a quarterfinal. The, that Big Ten title game, the winner of that game's in, the loser's out. Uh, pretty simple. Yeah, there's no uh, advanced breakdown that needs to be done on that. Uh, 2015, the same thing happened with Iowa and Michigan State. So, But, yeah, Minnesota deserves a ton of credit. They're getting talent. And, and I think the biggest thing is, too, I feel like Minnesota over the past few years had become this kind of stepping stone program if you will um teams enjoyed playing them you know coaches didn't love to be there you know jerry kill was was an exception and and tracy clays did a decent job too but minnesota there wasn't a ton of pride in like minnesota football pj fleck wants to be there he really wants to be there he signed an extension specifically like right after florida state fired willie taggart as if to say i'm staying here for the long haul we're gonna row the boat we're gonna win a national title and you can make fun of Row the Boat all you want. I do think it's kind of funny sometimes. But P.J. Fleck deserves a ton of credit because this is a legitimate program, and they're going to be here. This is not a one-off. I mean, granted, should Penn State in some ways have won that game on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, Sean Clifford threw three picks. Like, he threw a couple in the red zone that you just can't have. Um, that that helped Minnesota. And, you know, by no means were they dominant. That's a game on their home turf, you know, one of the biggest games ever. And Penn State outgained them. But this is a Minnesota team this year. And this program is not a one-off. We're going to be talking about these guys for a while. And that's where I think P.J. Fleck deserves the most credit. Not only having one great year of being 9-0, but also saying they're building towards something really serious where they're going to be contenders in the Big Ten West. And the way the Big Ten West is shaping up, they could be perennially like Wisconsin was a few years ago in that Big Ten title game every year at 10-2, and at 11-1, and playing in the easier Big Ten division, but also having a really good program and a place where people want to go play because people really want to seem to play for P.J. Fleck, and he deserves a ton of credit for Minnesota's turnaround, and uh, they have a chance here, winning the last four games of the season, to make history and go to the playoff far before I think anyone would have expected them to even compete for that type of thing. I don't know that the expectation could have been to compete for the playoff. I don't know how realistic that is when P.J. Fleck takes the job. So really impressive again. And it's just so difficult to do. We talk about it all the time. Nick Saban went 7-5 and five his first year. It doesn't happen overnight. And especially when you're, you're taking over a program that's not a traditional power. Because Nick Saban set up for success at Alabama, although it wasn't there his first year. Right, Alabama's historic program, you know you can recruit. And depending on where you go, right, you wouldn't necessarily be surprised if the guy who goes in there at Florida State, if it's the right guy and the right coach, turns it around. Because Florida State is a program with a history of success. Minnesota's not that way. He's really doing it for the first time in the modern era, and that's really impressive in a, in a league like the Big Twelve, Big Ten, rather, uh, where it's it's not easy to do. In some ways, and I kind of want to run this by you, 
da- he's doing the same thing that Dabo Sweeney's done at Clemson. Yeah. On a lower scale, right? There was there wasn't a ton of history with Clemson football other than they had the guy that Woody Hayes punched in the face. Like there there wasn't a ton there and then Dabo Sweeney got there and he said we're going to compete. We're going to win. And by the way, nobody liked the hiring of Dabo Sweeney at the time no. either. Um, P.J. Fleck had a lot more cachet than Dabo Sweeney did. But what Dabo did at Clemson was restore legitimacy, recruit the best players, and have a great culture. P.J. Fleck seems to have a great culture. Whether you like it or not, I mean, row the boat is kind of a meme, but people believe in it. People want to play for him. And he's the type of guy, you listen to his locker room speeches, and you're like, why would anyone not want to play for this guy? Because he's electric in the locker room, um, and there's a pride in Minnesota football. And they're legit. They're here to stay. As we said, they're ranked eighth in the college football playoff poll, and they'll have a chance to go to the playoff here. So a couple more things we've got to get to. Um, let's look at some of these rankings here in the college football playoff. These came out last night. Uh, rec- we're recording on Wednesday afternoon slash evening. I guess it's evening now because it's about 445 right now. The sun just went down. Um, anyway, that's immaterial. So the the top four is from top to bottom, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. I would sign up for that playoff right now, but that's not what it's going to be. The rest of the top ten, we've got Alabama, Oregon, Utah, Minnesota, Penn State, and Oklahoma rounding out the top ten. Uh, Nick, it was an interesting week in college football. Um, the way things shook out, I think the teams we thought could have been eliminated this week actually really weren't. Cough, cough, Alabama. You've got Oregon and Utah at 6-7. and seven. I don't think they're guaranteed a spot. I don't think Oklahoma's guaranteed a spot at 10 uh, if they win the went out and win the Big 12. I don't think Baylor at 13 is guaranteed a spot. Probably won't even make it at 13-0 with the schedule they've played. Um, so interesting times here in the college football playoff, but I think the way we looked at it going into this weekend, um, certain teams that we thought could have been eliminated weren't, and then so, uh, obviously with that Penn State-Minnesota game, huge monkey wrench there where the Nittany Lions fall down, and they're probably out of playoff contention, and you've got Minnesota uh, making a quantum leap in the standings. Yeah, you probably couldn't have picked Minnesota to beat Penn State. It happened great for them, as we just talked about, but you probably wouldn't have picked it. So that's really, to me, where the monkey wrench, as you said, is thrown into this whole thing because – Originally, the way we were talking last week was that if Alabama loses this game, they're in really big trouble because presumably Penn State having beaten Minnesota would have still been ahead of them. Bama would have then been six, and you would have probably slotted everyone down with Penn State still at four and then Georgia down to five. But now Alabama sort of gets a second life because looking forward, LSU, I would not pick them to not lose out. They're going to win out. Um, And... Georgia should win out as well. I don't expect them to lose for the remainder of the season. That would mean that Georgia and LSU would meet for the SEC championship game. If LSU beats Georgia, then two loss Georgia, I think, has to be out. Yeah. And then Alabama, should they win out and do what they have to do against Auburn? Because the Iron Bowl this year for them has to be a big game, has to be a statement game against a freshman quarterback. I think Bama's in. Yeah. As odd as it sounds, unless the only other thing that I could think of would be if Minnesota and Ohio State meet undefeated and Minnesota wins, then you're talking Ohio State versus Alabama, and depending on what the committee may think of Minnesota, I think Ohio State could make a case with a loss in that big uh, Big Ten championship game that they would still slot in at four, but it, it would be up in the air. Regardless, Alabama in much better 
in a much better situation after a loss to LSU than we originally thought. I'll throw another monkey wrench at you. If LSU, assuming they're undefeated and the rest of their schedule is not very hard, um, so they would be 12-0 and going up against 11-1 and Georgia. Let's say Georgia wins. They are at one loss. LSU is at one loss. You're probably keeping both of them in because, you know, one loss in the SEC West, you're not going to leave that out. Let's say Ohio State wins the Big Ten undefeated. They're 13-0. and You're not leaving them out. Now the debate becomes between Clemson and Alabama. And guess what? That's where Alabama gets squeezed because Clemson, they're not leaving Clemson out of the playoff because, by the way, I mean, you can say whatever you want about Clemson's schedule, and granted, it's terrible, but they've also played amazing against that schedule with the exception of the North Carolina game. Uh, the game on Saturday where they played NC State, nationally televised game, and they went in and absolutely wrecked them. Um, they showed that, oh, by the way, everybody's talking about LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, all these other teams. <laughs> We're still here. Um, so the rest of their schedule is easy. They got Wake Forest and South Carolina. That's two wins. Um, and then they'll have the ACC title game against someone, some unranked team that will go to the Orange Bowl. But that's another <laughs> story. <laughs> that's that's kind of frightening. Um, but that's I think that's the scenario where Alabama gets squeezed. Other than that, they're going to work their way back into this. I mean, The problem for Alabama is going to be they don't have a lot of upper mobility. So if, if LSU and Ohio State went out, and even if LSU loses a game, they, they can't pass them. I think the highest they can get is like three. Um, and if Clemson wins out, I think the highest they can get is four. Um, so that's going to be an issue. It's an issue of seeding. I don't think it's an issue so much of Alabama getting in, but I just don't think they can only go so far in the playoff. They're not going to get up to one and two like they've been the last couple of years. Yeah, I I don't think so either. And it would be it, it would be really difficult. And I just I don't think that Clemson in any way I I agree with you on that schedule could be left out, right? I just don't understand the sentiment. I get it. Their schedule, as you said, ha- hasn't been great. But again, who, whose fault is that? Right. They're in it's the ACC. Yeah. Like, are they supposed to leave the ACC and say, "Oh, well, our schedule is not going to be good this year, and guys." They so Texas we're done. A&M, so. And all right, we ske- right. So I don't know. It's just it's a difficult thing, and it hasn't shaken out the way that you wanted. But I, you, there's no way that you can tell me, especially with the landscape uh, the way it is right now, that you could tell me that the defending national champion can go undefeated the next year and not make the playoff yeah. with, with the same quarterback. Yeah, and they're right? looking really good again, too. Yeah, I, I just I don't think that that's, that makes any sense at all. So Clemson's going to be in when they win out. Um, but, again, Alabama, a, a lifeline. And that's why when we were talking a little bit earlier, I think you leave the door open on them because I still think that there's an opportunity for them to get in the playoff. And if they do – I don't know that you could count them out because Nick Saban a second time it would probably be a rematch against LSU. That's what you'd anticipate if yeah. they're able to get in. And Nick Saban a second time, I think, maybe allows him a chance to fix the defense a little bit. And look, it was a close game. Bama did a better job in the second half, and maybe if Tua doesn't throw an interception at the end of the first trying to push the envelope, you might have an opportunity to make that game a little bit more competitive. So who knows what what happens, but I would certainly sign up for LSU-Alabama in the playoff again, and in that case, I don't think you, you count out Bama against LSU, but I, I – I think Alabama has certainly a better shot than we we originally anticipated. Uh, can we also talk about Georgia being ahead of Alabama? That just doesn't make sense to me. Um, Georgia yeah. has not played as tough of a schedule as Alabama. They've beaten Florida, I mean, and they deserve credit for that. But Georgia lost to South Carolina. Alabama lost to LSU. And Alabama was competitive with LSU. And not that Georgia wasn't competitive with South Carolina. Obviously they were. But 
I don't know how you can tell me whether it's eye test, theory by association, whatever the hell you're using. I don't know how you can tell me right now that Georgia is a better team than Alabama. Georgia's good. Georgia's like a Sugar Bowl caliber team, but they are not on the level or on par with Alabama in any way whatsoever. Um, I, I think the gap between these two teams is actually wider than it was last year. Um, I think last year's Georgia team was amazing, and I think this year's Georgia team is a step down. I really do. Um, I have no idea why they're fourth. Um, but maybe maybe they, Notre Dame. Yeah, they beat Notre Dame. They beat Florida. Yeah, uh, and I think that Auburn is a win certainly that they have to have this week, right? But that's another win that if they get it, they're in a good shape. And then Texas A and M the the week after. I don't know if you can kind. Of, it's just I don't know if you can you can sort of us not assume wins, but say hey. We're going to say that if they continue to win, they would be ahead of Alabama because beating Auburn is better than beating Mississippi State if they're trying to forecast in that way. But I, I think you're right. Who the heck knows? Yeah, and granted, Alabama has not beaten anybody big except Texas A&M. And I don't even know how much that counts this year. But I don't know. I don't know. But then again, maybe they know something I don't. Or maybe they don't. I don't know. Um, Let's close out the show here. Ohio State at number two. And their linebacker, Chase Young, was almost in a world of trouble um, for something incredibly stupid. Um, the NCAA has decided to levy a two-game suspension against him, reduced from what we thought was going to be four. He was out last week against Maryland. He will be out this week against Rutgers. Um, I don't know. I think that really changes things. Um, but, no, I think uh, Ohio State's going to be fine uh, without him, and then he will be back the week after. And um, this was one of the stupidest things I can remember happening in a long time in the NCAA. Basically, he gets a lo- he takes out a loan for his girlfriend to fly to, the, uh, fly to the Rose Bowl last year, which they won over Washington. He paid back the loan in April, um, and the NCAA still had a problem with this because the NCAA is stupid, which we already knew. Um, so, Nick, I guess just to close out this show, Chase Young gets suspended, but... I think the real lesson here is not that Chase Young screwed up. I think the lesson here is that, hey, the NCAA is still really outdated, and for all the steps that they've taken in the past few months, um, that has not really changed that all that much. And they still have a long way to go to the, the path of common sense, which they're clearly not on right now. Yeah, and I think that it'll be interesting to see how some of these things and changes that they're making – work out in actual practice as opposed to, okay, we're saying we're going to allow you to profit from the image and likeness. I thought Jay Billis said it really well uh, on ESPN a, a couple of weeks ago saying, we're going to let you use Wi-Fi, but only in Amish areas. That's what <laughs> they're saying about uh, allowing players to profit from image and likeness. So look, it's an unfortunate situation. And I think it's bad for the NCAA. You don't want one of your best, your, the faces of your sport and one of the better players in, in the entire country, if not the best, right, to be suspended. It just doesn't serve anybody good. He's on a big-time program, a team that's ranked right now number two in the country. So the only saving grace for the NCAA I'll give them in this is that they didn't suspend him for any game of merit, at least. They said, okay, Rutgers, we're fine, and then we're going to let him play against Penn State, so that's good. But I, I don't know. It's really just... I don't know that, it, that you get worked up over it anymore. You probably should, but it's just it's so NCAA 
that you're accustomed to to seeing these things. Chase Young's going to be fine. He's going to be the the top position player, top non-quarterback taken in next year's draft. So he'll be fine. No one's going to care. It's just again, it's another one of those NCAA things where you're sitting there saying, "What the heck are we doing?" Yeah, and then that's that's kind of the NCAA in a nutshell. Um, I think Chase Young's the best player in college football. Personally, um, I would have voted for him, him for the Heisman, but since he missed two games, uh, probably can't do that anymore. Just to close, um, that Chase Young suspension news really changed things in Vegas. Ohio State is now a fifty-two and a half point favorite this <laughs> week against Rutgers. <laughs> I mean, how do you even bet that? I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I, I, you still gotta take Ohio State, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it depends. It depends how much the foot's on the gas. Oh my uh, I feel, I feel bad for Rutgers. But I don't, um, I don't know. I, know I think if you're there, number but... two in the country, you gotta. <sighs> yeah, because it's but gotta be again, a better win. But even if you beat Rutgers by seventy, does that matter? No. no. So I don't know if you have to run it up. No, I feel, I feel bad for Rutgers. I said it before. I know some of the people over there. They're good guys, but they. They have no chance. Well, I just don't understand how you go into that game preparing. What do you say to your team? What, for Rutgers or Ohio State? For Rutgers. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Ohio State, I get it, right? We gotta, we, we get it. This is going to be a scrimmage, but we gotta, we still have things to work on or, or things that we can improve on. Uh, Rutgers, what do you say? You know what they should say to Rutgers? They should play the Orgeron speech. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go Buckeyes. <laughs> there you go. It doesn't, doesn't quite work the same. No, it's not. <laughs> Uh, what can you do? Should be a good week of college football. Hope you enjoy it. For my partner, Nick DeLuca, I am Jimmy Sullivan. The NCAA is dumb. The college football playoff is fun, and it's getting better. We'll see you next week.